the Underdog Podcast from SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty. Welcome back to another edition of the Conference USA Underdog Podcast here on Underdog Dynasty, SB Nation's home for G5 football. A surprising week six in, throughout the league. Um, saw some things we really did not expect to see, but we'll just dive right into that and just dissect all the football Goodness, Yeah, let's go with that. Uh, we have Eric Henry on the show once again. The FIU beat writer at UDD always does a stellar job. If read his stuff, I highly recommend it. And then you have me. I'm Joe Londrigan, the Western Kentucky Conference USA blogger over on the site. And uh, happy to be here once again. Eric, uh, how are you doing this week? I am doing great, man. Just happy to not be uh, on every drug known to mankind uh, due to the dentist. And uh, thanks for the for the high praise coming from you, Mr. Londergan. Uh, that means a lot, sir. So as someone who is trying to achieve the same level of greatness that my uh, my counterpart has, uh, I appreciate the compliment. Level of greatness. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's go with that. It's 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 too early in the morning where I am to really get too deep into the <laughs> get too deep into the specifics here. But sure, let's go with that. Um, but yeah, we can't. I'm, I'm, I'm two. I'm two cups of coffee in, and it's 11:35 here. I know you're just waking up, so uh, yeah, <laughs> we'll let that one sink in. <laughs> no worries. Um, all right, let me. Let's just dive right into uh, the week that was in Conference USA on that Friday night game. We had Middle Tennessee heading to Marshall, and uh, the Thundering Herd not able to get the win there. Uh, Middle Tennessee winning 34-24. to Surprising result here, at least from my point of view. Really poor second half from Marshall. Alex Thompson uh, just really didn't get the job done as he gets the start at quarterback here instead of Isaiah Green. Uh, Tyler King did pick up some of the slack for Marshall with 165 rushing yards, but it was Brent Stockstill who was the offensive difference maker in this game for MTSU with 317 yards and two touchdowns. Uh, Credit to both defenses, I think. Both got exceptional pressure on the opposing team's backfield, but simply not enough offense through the air for the herd, and that's not what we're used to seeing out of them. Yeah, Joe, I mean, you kind of touched on it a little bit. You know, how about Brent Stockstill, right? You know, uh, he's been one of the best QBs in conference history, and he's showing that he still has something left. You know, the 24-year-old, it feels like he's been at middle for six years now. Um, goes over 10,000 career passing yards, so congrats to him. And more importantly, the Blue Raiders didn't look like a team that could contend in conference play a few weeks ago. And, you know, right now they lead the East, right? It's them and FIU. Mm-hmm. Uh, the game that was really back and forth till the, mar- the <clears throat> excuse me, the Marshall offense stalled uh, in the third quarter. And if you're a Herd fan, you know, as you mentioned, you got to be asking yourself what would that game have been if we Isaiah Green behind center instead of Alex Thomason. And, and uh, you know, Thompson didn't lose it for him, but he wasn't able to complement the outstanding game that uh, Marshall had on the ground. Uh, Tyree Brady had kind of a pedestrian game. Uh, the combo of King and Anderson run for over 225, and you think with that kind of uh, that kind of work on the ground that you can keep the ball out of Brent Stockstill's hands, and that should have been enough to get the W. But you know, kudos to the Blue Raider defense. You know, with six, excuse me, with six sacks, uh, they didn't make life easy on the grad transfer from Wagner. So uh, for Marshall, you just it's kind of back to the drawing board. It seemed that coming into this game, you think, all right, they're going to go into uh, this one and kind of get the W. And Middle Tennessee State, once again, give Rick Stockstill's club all the credit in the world because you know they were a team a couple weeks ago that we didn't really see as a contender in the East and now the, going into next week they've got a huge game down in Miami at FIU and, and they really have a chance to control their own destiny in the East. True. 
And I'll tell you, like you said, throughout most of this early part of the year, we looked at Middle Tennessee as not something to really be all that concerned about. But um, now that we're seeing this defense really come alive and make their case for a division title, the only logical explanation is there's a conspiracy in Conference USA to (laughs) make me look stupid because everything I keep predicting is wrong. That's the only logical explanation. Joe, you know, you're finally coming around to my POV because I've been saying for the past two weeks with the results we've been getting that we clearly have no idea what we're talking about. You know, whether it's <laughs> UNT going down or, or, you know, it seems like there's one game, one or two games every week where it's just like, you know, we think we have a good idea on this conference and something happens. So, yeah, <laughs> give all the credit to Middle Tennessee State because they, they certainly made us look foolish there. That they did. Um, one result we kind of did see coming, though, was FAU beating Old Dominion 52-33 to on Saturday. Devin Singletary is now FAU's career-leading rusher with 3,568 yards as the Owls get a much-needed divisional win. Um, Singletary is who he is, and we expect the best from him week in and week out at this point. Um then at quarterback for the Owls, Chris Robinson did end up getting the start at quarterback. Um, I think a switch uh, must have flipped for him during the week as he turned in 339 th- yards through the air, two touchdowns, and a rushing touchdown. Uh, meanwhile, for Old Dominion, the receivers look great as they typically have throughout the course of this year. Um, tough day for really everything else on that front for the Monarchs. <laughs> Yeah, Joe. So let's go ahead and just state the obvious, right? You know, it's about five weeks too late, but this was the closest thing to the FAU team that we thought we'd see uh, heading into the season. And FAU fans expected. Shout out, shout out to Cyrus Smith and Jack Whitten, my guy on Twitter to name a few specifically. You know, they, uh, mm-hmm. they've been waiting for this type of output on offense and they're finally getting it. Um, shout out to Chris Robson. Like you said, he responded really well to uh, Lane Kiffin kind of opening up the QB job. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he did a great job. He's mentioned uh, through for over 300 yards, heck of a ball game for him. Uh, Devin Singletary, as you mentioned, uh, broke the FAU career rushing mark. Uh, he becomes the all-time leading rusher with uh, his 168 yards and two TDs on the ground. I made sure to uh, text my old high school teammate Willie Rose, who was a fullback for FAU, to remind him he's about 3,000 yards shy of Devin for his career. So, uh, you know, great career for Singletary. Uh, Kareth White has been a nice change of ba- change of payback for the Owls. Uh, is he had two scores as well. You know, Joe, and, and I'm just kind of curious what you think uh, as I'll finish up with the defense, Jalen Young and Shelton Lewis, how many times have you heard me say those names on the podcast? You know, those guys had great games for the Owls and, and you know, for Blake LaRusso and, and, and the Monarchs, the numbers will look good for any QB when you got, you know, Fulgham and, and Duhart. But a lot of those yards came from behind. Is ODU, ODU still searching for some type of consistency on the season? But back to the question I want, I want to ask you, Joe, is this uh, for the Owls? You have talented guys in, in Willie Wright, you know, Harrison Bryant, uh, but their bread and butter is clearly the running game. And, and I guess my, my question for you would be is this. Uh, if you are Lane Kiffin, do you going forward for the rest of the year as you try to you know kind of get back in, in the East, do you want to just kind of base your entire offense around the run game and kind of just reduce the amount of throws that, that you ask Robinson to make? Or is it something where, you know, you're maybe – you're sacrificing part of your offense and talented guys like Wright and Bryant uh, for the sake of for the sake of the run game. I think that might be the best way to go for them because it, it really opened up things for their offense. Granted, ODU's defense isn't the greatest thing to you know to write home about, but this was the most complete ball game we've seen from them all year. 
Right. Um, I think I pretty much agree with you. Um, you go with what's working until it doesn't, right? Devin Singletary's running extremely well, as he probably has been for most of his career. I mean, he's the program's leading rusher now. Um, so I think, you know, when you keep going up against defenses who don't really have an answer for him or for Kareth White or, you know, that whole rushing attack, I think you just kind of go with them until it works. Um, but I think the beauty of an FAU or an offense like FAU's is they do have those talented receivers to kind of come back to. So if, you know, you ever get to a point where, uh, you know, the offensive line has a bad day or Singletary's hurt or, you know, isn't having a great day, um, then they can kind of come back to this passing game and, you know, rely on it when, you know, for whatever reason, the running game is not really there. But in the meantime, when Devon Singletary is turning in the kind of days like he turned in against Old Dominion here, then just, yeah, absolutely ride that out for all that it's worth. And, you know, um, you know, I think as much talent as there is outside of Devin Singletary on this team, when he is eventually gone, then this program is just going to be, you know, completely different. And we've, we've talked about how we think Singletary is going to have success at the next level. But um, while he's here, um, absolutely let him do his thing for as long as he can. Right. You know, the reason I asked the question, Joe, is I just was thinking back as we were talking to the UCF game. And granted, they got behind early. So that kind of, you know, obviously changed the course of the game for them as far as having to throw the football. But I, I just think for FAU... If you, especially with the defense that's kind of uh, underperformed, you know, I've talked on the podcast about how much talent I think they have. I think their best strategy for, for success, and it sounds like, you know, I'm staying the obvious, give the ball to Devin Singletary, but you want to limit the amount of possessions that the uh, the opposing offense is going to have. And and within that, you can kind of get Chris Robinson a rhythm. So that's why I asked the question. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, you kind of, you talk about, you know, limiting the possessions of the opposing team. Having a great running game is absolutely going to help you win the time of possession battle nine times out of ten. So exactly, yeah, it's a it's a good strategy to kind of keep that ball on the ground as much as you can in, in games like this. Um, another team that's doing a really good job of keeping the ball on the ground right now is UAB with uh, the twenty to seven win against Louisiana Tech over the weekend. Uh, Tech's offense just looked stagnant for most of this game. A really stark contrast to how they played last week. Um, but UAB rushing game, like I mentioned, was absolutely back. Uh, two touchdowns for Spencer Brown, one on the ground, and uh, and then one through the air for AJ Early. Um, it's funny. You told me that any team, if you told me that uh, any team in CUSA would win a game this year, completing only eight passes, I probably wouldn't have believed you. But if one team was going to do that, it makes sense that it was UAB. I'd say. <laughs> Yeah, Joe, it's like you're reading my notes exactly because, you know, what I've got down here is that, you know, if, if you say that you're going to hold the Blazers to 33 yards passing when 8 of 24 and Spencer Brown isn't going to go over 100 yards, you're thinking you have a great shot at a W, right? Uh, unfortunately, Tech's offense uh, wasn't up to standard. I, I think for Louisiana Tech, it was a matter of not being able to get anything going with the run game, and that put Tech in multiple third and long situations. Uh, you know, if you go and look at the box score, Cam McKnight averaged five, blew 5.3 yards of carry, but when you take out the 27-yarder he had, he had 14 attempts for 53 yards, which is below four yards of carry. Uh, uh, Israel Tucker and guys like that weren't able to get going on the ground. Uh, three turnovers as well really hurt any chances Tech had of winning, and, and in addition to going 2 of 12 on third down. You know, so overall, good win for you. UAB, 
disappointing loss for Tech. You know, I've, I've gushed lovingly on this podcast over AJ Erdley, and one thing I think I, I do have to do is be a little bit fair and hold his feet to the fire here. Uh, last season, you know, he was a four to one TD to INT ratio. This season, it's one to one. Saturday wasn't his best game either, but the thing I do like about him is he's a winner. He does what it takes to win games. You know, he gets a score through the air and, and adds another uh, 38 yarder on the ground to seal it. So for Tech. It's just like I said before, if you think that, you know, you're going to this game and you're going to hold Spencer Brown to under 100, sure, he gets the two scores and UAB isn't going to be able to throw the ball at all. You think he got a good shot at a win, but Jamar Smith just didn't play well either in the offense. Just disappointing with all their weapons they have that they weren't able to put up more of an offensive, uh, offensive output. From what you saw in this game, did you see UAB doing anything that would uh, really disrupt what Tech normally tries to do, or was it just an off day for for Smith and and Dancy and that whole Tech offense? No, Joe, I just think it was just an off day for them, you know, Um, because I don't think necessarily that UAB did anything to disrupt them as much as it was, you know, when you can't get excuse me, when you cannot get the run game going, it's just going to put you in those third and long situations. You know, I'm a huge believer, uh, I don't want to turn this into the stat uh, podcast, but I'm a huge believer in in standard down success rate. Mm-hmm. That's really indicative of what your team is going to do uh, throughout the course of a game and throughout the course of a season. You know, for those of you listening home, standard downs are first down, uh, second and seven and fewer, third and four and fewer. If you can't get, uh, A, if you can't have success on those downs, or B, you can't get into those standard down success, uh, situations and instead you're playing on a third and long or second and long each play mm-hmm. each drive uh that's just going to put you behind the sticks yeah yeah that's a good point um anyway we see uab just really making a push for cusa west right now and it's it's interesting to see if they'll be able to keep this kind of success uh moving down the stretch but um meanwhile back in the uh I almost said back in the East, but I don't think that's right. Anyway, UTSA in the good state of Texas, UTSA 20, Rice uh, 3. UTSA really needed a win for the sake of their bowl hopes here, and they are able to get it. Uh, This offense, though, for the Roadrunners, still as frustrating to watch as ever, but the defense forced four turnovers, and uh, Jared Sackett made two 40-plus yard field goals, so he continues his hot streak this year. Um Meanwhile, you know, Rice, their offense is just not really what uh, what we saw in those first couple of games. And um, Cyrus made a good point on the site this week, actually. Uh, do you think it's time for a change for the Owls at quarterback there? Joe, uh, it, it, once again, it's tough. You know, I, I like Sean uh, Stankovich in terms of you have to like what you saw out of him the first few games of the year, right? It's not that he doesn't have the ability, but the offense is moving in the wrong direction. And when, you know, you're you're uh, Mike Bloomgren and you're just taking over this team, uh, you're trying to get things going in the right direction. Uh, maybe it is time to make a change. I wouldn't. You know, I, I think for Rice, granted, uh me if I'm wrong, they're one and five. So I, I yeah. for any bowl hopes they have, it's, it, I just don't think it's time to give up on the season just yet. You know, I'm, I'm, Joe, I'm not uh, a believer in the idea that, hey, you know, um, we're one in five, so you just, you know, throw everything out the window and, and prepare for next year. I'm a huge believer in winning games, and I think you may have made this point last year on the po- excuse me, last year, last week on the podcast, uh, that uh, whether it's it's getting two or three wins down the stretch at the end of the year, you can carry that momentum into next season. So I don't necessarily think it's, it's time for a QB change, but, you know, in this one, this is a game, to be quite frank, that set passing back 75 years. Uh, <laughs> UTSA, you know, they, they get to W and, and another week in which I'll talk about Cordell Grundy versus DJ Gillings. Uh, but here's the fact. 
Grundy has all three wins for UTSA. So, you know, keep trotting him out there until something changes. Uh, positive note, BJ Daniels has two scores on the ground. So if you're a Roadrunner fan, you got to hope this team's identity can can just be a strong run game and, and defense. And you mentioned Jared Sackett as well. So uh, kind of a complete game overall for them outside of passing. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, for Rice, you just kind of start from scratch. Not like they don't have any weapons. Austin Walter is a guy who, uh, he had a nice game as a receiver, couldn't really do anything going on the ground, but he's a dangerous weapon for them as well. Um, but, yeah, I, I don't think it's time for, for a QB change. I think you have to give yourself the best chance to win. I think Stankovic is that guy. Fair enough. Um, with this UTSA team, like, it's it's – I mean, I guess it's good if they're three and three at this point. I mean, they started off that stretch with of tough games to uh, to begin the year, and now after that, they find themselves you know in a spot where you know just three more games, and then they they beat their win total from last year. At this point, do you think that's going to happen for the Roadrunners? No, no. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, sorry for UTSA fans. Uh, well, okay, you said beat. Their, their win total so obviously they'd have to get the three wins I think they can match it but I, I don't think they're going to get the six okay fair enough yeah. uh, we can kind of talk more about their future games when we do that part of the show um, but <laughs> another battle in Texas happening North Texas faced UTEP in El Paso and this one was way closer than I think most of us thought it would be uh, Mean Green winning by just three points 27 to 24 uh, this one really just came down to the wire and it probably shouldn't have um, considering what we've seen out of North Texas offense this year it's a bit of a shocking result um you know eric i don't know how much of this game you were able to catch but what do you think happened here yeah no i i kind of have a pretty simple formula you know you ask the question how did utep stay in it for so long i think it's two factors one uh in the first half unt had three punts and a turnover on downs uh that's obviously not conducive to scoring points you know when you're putting the ball back to the other team and you turn it over on downs what utep was able to do was convert those chances into points unfortunately not enough points for them to win the ball game but they were able to do that and that kept it close uh for north texas when you look at the final box score they went 817 on third down with it's a fair percentage. It's about 46, 45 percent. This is my quick math. Uh, but I believe they went one for seven in the first half. So when you add all those things together, that's how UTEP was able to keep it close. And, you know, um, we'll talk a little bit about Ryan Metz uh, as a guy who he's a veteran quarterback. He's played 31 ball games for the minors. And, and I've talked on this podcast on how much I love Kyle Loxley, but to be completely blunt, Ryan Metz put together a passing game that UTEP hasn't seen this entire season, so that might be something we have to look into for the rest of the year. If you go back to last week also, Tep had uh, Tep was in that game for most of it, and I believe Metz was quarterback for them in that one also. So, you know, you talk about how much you love Kyle Oxley. Is Metz, Metz kind of seems like he's the guy they need to stick with for from my point of view, if they want, you know, any chance of actually getting in the win column this year. Yeah, Joe, I'm going to give you my philosophy on this, and, and I'll, I'll analogize it to FIU. Um, going into the season for FIU, obviously they have Christian Alexander, who had been there a couple years, and the grad transfer in James Morgan. One of the reasons why I felt like Morgan would win the job is that you've already seen – what you have in Christian Alexander. This isn't a slide on him at all, but he had the chance to win the job last year and wasn't able to do it. With Mets, uh, that's just kind of my philosophy on quarterbacks. It's the same thing. Um, Kyle Oxley obviously provides a different dynamic in that he is a phenomenal runner. Um, but with that being said, you know, he threw for 313 and two scores. And like I said, UTEP hasn't had any semblance of a passing game all year. Uh, 
I just think, you know, for UTEP at this point, you know, you're you're zero and six, and you're trying to get some type of positive momentum going going forward. Here's here's the best way I can answer that question. If Kyle Loxley, he has an ankle injury. If if he's not a hundred percent, you can't trot him out there because his legs are his most dynamic weapon. Uh, so with Ryan Metz, once again, you maybe kind of know what you have, but that might be an option you need to explore as far as getting in the win column. Sure, sure. And at this point, it's just looking more and more likely that UTEP is just not going to get in the win column this year. And that's that's sad to see for this fan base, unfortunately. Um, but we kind of talked about throughout the course of this recap that uh, we have some kind of surprising favorites in the divisional races here with uh, Middle Tennessee now leading the East and UAB leading the West. Um, so just, you know, do you agree or disagree? Uh, Middle Tennessee favorite or Middle Tennessee is the favorite to win CUSA East. I disagree. Okay. I believe that they will, uh, and we'll get into this in our game preview. I believe that FIU will take the victory. Uh, so there's the East half of it. Um, and then if we want to transition to the West, I, I think, you know, in our notes, we have you asking the question if UAB is the favorite to win CUSA West. I still think that UNT, although they've got ground to make up because they have the. Con- excuse me, they have the uh, conference loss. Uh, I still believe that UNT is the favorite to win the West. Fair enough. Yeah, um, I kind of had the same thought, more or less. Middle Tennessee, I mean, they played two really strong games the last couple weeks in order to get to 2-0 in conference play, but... um, you know, like we talked about, once FIU is able to um, kind of knock them off this week, probably that's going to make things a little, um, uh, a little more interesting. Um, FAU has some ground to make up too, so they will. But based on what we saw out of them last week, I think they can kind of work themselves back into the race for that one. Um, really, I think the East is going to come down to uh, an exciting finish here between FAU, FIU. Maybe Middle Tennessee if they can get one or two more wins, um, but and then I really don't understand. I really don't know what to make of Marshall right now. They're they're very hot and cold, um, but they could be in there as well. And then yeah, in the West, UAB um, they were my preseason pick to win the league, so I'm not too surprised that they're in the position that they are right now. Um, I think North Texas will will get it together a little bit. The last two weeks, they've kind of had some issues to work out, and that's you know that's the only reason we don't see them sitting atop the league right now because they were dominant in the early part of the season, um, and really based on their competition for the rest of the year, I think they have a really strong chance to get back to what they were doing in those first few weeks. So, um, yeah, I, I mean. I don't. I disagree that Middle Tennessee, uh, Middle Tennessee is the favorite to win CUSA East. I'm kind of flip floppy on UAB right now because, as well as they're playing, and then clearly North Texas has one or two issues to work out, and it's a matter of, you know, are we going to see the team that you know put up a bunch of points on Arkansas and looked completely dominant in the first three weeks of the season, or are we going to see the team that almost lost to UTEP? So if they can, yeah, if they can, if they can be the first one, then I think they'll probably still win the West. 
Yeah, Joe, for me, you know, just to elaborate a little bit on the East, um, with Middle Tennessee State, they just don't have any semblance of a run game. Uh, I believe their leading rusher is Brad Anderson. I believe he has 106 yards on the year. That's just not going to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Middle's had a nice, as you said, they've had a nice, you know, past couple games. Uh, like I said last week on the podcast, if I were buying stock in any team in the East, it would be FIU. Uh, Coach Davis likes to say to his post game that he believes that his teams and his, and his history as a coach, um, they tend to hit their stride toward the middle of the season, going towards the end of the season. We're going to see if that there will play out for FIU. Uh, if they can get Anthony Jones back and FIU is normally very coy on injuries, you know, they're not going to tell us much. Um, but if they can get Anthony Jones back just to add to that stellar running game and James Morgan keeps progressing as a quarterback, I'm really, really liking the, the stock in FIU. And FAU, I honestly think that the East will come down to the Shula Bowl. It will come down to that FAU, FIU matchup. For UNT, here's the deal. And if we're just going to run a hypothetical uh, UAB-UNT matchup here, UAB the passing game has to get better you know I've talked about AJ early last season what he did as far as his TD to INT ratio and his completion percentage this season he just hasn't played up to that standard UNT you know what they have the offense is there it's just a matter of them playing up to their potential um the major thing for me that I that I really want to see out of UNT is just, I believe it was, and, I, and I'm trying to recall because I didn't have this in my notes, I want to say it was the Arkansas game uh, in which Lauren easily had about 115 yards. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Joe. Mm-hmm. But if they can get that running game going, that's just a dynamic to the, to the team that really would make them stand out uh, and would take the pressure off their defense because UNT will can easily put up 40 or 50 points in a game sometimes that puts a little too much pressure on your defense as far as going out there and 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 having to you know stop teams very quickly so if you can just kind of grind the clock out uh that's what i'd like to see from unt going forward as as far as their chance in the west right and you mentioned loren easily um it's i'm not sure when they're going to get him back definitely had a uh, leg injury late right Um, right yeah and i mean people were quick to point it out last week when uh before that news broke that he wasn't going to play this week (laughs) again and then we recorded it. We recorded that before that news broke, and then it ended up getting posted later in the week. So people were very quick to say, "No, Easley's not." Like we we know that now. Like yeah, yeah. But it we, it's we, a, we take this on Tuesday, guys. I mean, come on, get a little, a little credit here. So. Right, exactly. But I, I think the point of what I'm trying to say is, with easily being out for the time being. We're not sure if they're going to be able to get that running in that we saw back with Nick Smith. And, you know, they very well could be. But I think um, if easily we're back, I think that goal would be a little more attainable. Sure. Uh, all right. Um, so that's kind of what we think on those divisional races moving forward. Um, and like I said, I think it's just going to be very exciting football moving down the stretch. But right now we have a little more immediate uh, issues to deal with, and that's the preview for next week. Um, on Saturday, October 13th, we have uh, UAB going to Rice and UAB favored to win by 16 in this game that starts at noon local time on ESPN+. Plus. I think that's pretty fair. I'm taking the Blazers to win this game. I think they'll cover that. Um, I think we're going to continue to see great things out of the that stable of rushers that UAB has. And uh, meanwhile, Rice, um, you know, I, I think – in that early part of the year, I, I thought there was some promise in Sean Stankovich in that offense, but I just I I don't think that um, you know whatever they were doing 
then they've clearly changed course somehow and they're just not able to put up the same results now. So that's why I think the Blazers are going to take this one fairly easily. Yeah, Joe, a few quick points on this one for UAB. I just want to say eight. See AJ Early play like he can. No turnovers, complete 60% of his balls. Spencer Brown should have a field day on this Rice defense that hasn't been very good the past couple weeks or really all season for that matter. Mm. They need to go out and prove that the Tech game wasn't a fluke. UAB should win this game by at least three scores. For Rice, they just need to show improvement. You know, it, during the UTEP category for me as far as you know, just trending downwards uh, in my notes we talked about it earlier but Sean Stankovic I think he's the right guy behind center you know you want to see the, the former Vandy QB uh, he's a senior so you want to see him respond and show that he has something uh, that resembles the early season play get the ball in Austin Walters hands uh, try to establish a ground game but you know and, and for Rice uh, if you can rattle AJ Early if you can kind of keep him off his game maybe that keeps the game close for a little bit but I still think UAB wins and I think they cover the spread Yep, I think we're pretty much in agreement on that one. Um, another game that uh, will probably be, uh, well, it will be, um, following that game in terms of time slot, Southern Miss heading to North Texas uh, at 1 p.m. Central Time in uh, Denton there on ESPN3. Uh, North Texas favored by 9. Um, I would have them a little higher, honestly. I think North Texas is going to take this one. Um, Southern Miss, while I love what Jack Abraham's doing, while I think the skill position players are uh, playing much better than I thought they were going to be just based on inexperience. Um, I don't know that that defense is going to contend with what I know North Texas is capable of. Sure, they lost to UTEP by three last week, but uh, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt and say that they uh, can figure out what's going wrong and kind of get it corrected quickly and um, you know get at least a 10-point win over Southern Miss here. Yeah, Joe, um, I'm really intrigued to see the QB battle. You know, quote Drake is the rookie and the vet here as we got Jack Abraham against Mason Fine. I want to see how Jack Abraham kind of kind of responds and takes his game to the next level uh, going against a great quarterback like Mason Fine. For UNT, how did they fare after two subpar weeks in a row? Because the fact of the matter is they haven't played up to their potential the past two weeks. Uh, you know, you mentioned earlier, I'd like to see them get a little bit of the run game going, uh, allow Mason Fine to do his thing and keep Quez Watkins and company off the field. Uh, for Southern Miss... Jaquiz Turner needs to be in Mason Fine's face all night long if they're going to have any shot to win. And as I've said, I think the game plan against the Mean Greens to try to limit the amount of possessions that they have, uh, as kind of what you saw last week with UTEP. I think this one could be close, but UNT pulls away. Yeah, it's funny. I'm looking at Mason Fine's stat line for the season right now, and I mean, he's 150 of 231 for 1,918 yards. And I, I cover Oregon State stuff too. And before the season, we were talking about, you know, is it doable for Oregon State to have a, a 2,000 yard passer in one year? And you know, looking at that line now, I mean, he'll he'll be a 2,000 yard passer uh, probably at the end of this game, and it's you know <laughs> week seven. So it's just, I guess I'm just having quarterback envy a little bit, or maybe you know, so. <laughs> here's here's a quick stat that I'm going to give a shout out to my girl Emily Van Buskirk on Twitter. Uh, she tweeted this out. You know, she covers uh, football for Packed football on the West Coast. But she tweeted this out. Said through six games, uh, Mean Green football, Mason Fine, has thrown the ball 242 times with only one pick. They've also intercepted 12 of their opponents' 211 passes. Uh, I say all that to say this: uh, UNT really should be undefeated this year. So it's kind of a shame that you know they took that uh they had that uh that slip up earlier in the year mm-hmm. uh, because they're 
they're really playing great football and you just want to see them, like I said, put it all together and kind of put the last weeks behind them and uh, kind of stomp out Southern Miss early. Yeah, and I, I'm like I said, I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt and that I think they're going to be able to do that this week. Um, and then meanwhile in the East, we have uh, Western Kentucky facing Charlotte in North Carolina at McCall Richardson Field. Uh 3.30 Eastern time on ESPN+. Plus. Western favored by 9.5 in this game. This one, as a Western supporter, terrifies me <laughs> because <laughs> just the way they didn't exactly end uh, their most recent game week on a hot streak. And now you've had a buy where, sure, you can use buys to kind of regroup and reestablish some momentum to get the season going in the right direction. But in my experience, that's just not always the case. And I'm not really sure what Western team we're going to see here. Um, so I... This is going to be this is going to be one of those games that's way closer than it should have been. And I'm not saying Charlotte is all world or anything like that, but I think they're just one of these teams that are are just good enough to give you know Western a lot of problems. Um, if they can get some decent pass rush, I think that'll rattle Chris Reynolds enough to the point where he's not um, you know exactly picking apart that Western secondary like some quarterbacks have been able to do this year. Um, and then really just the offense has got to score points, you know. Um, Steven Duncan's played pretty well, but he just hasn't, um, you know, they either put together these great long drives or um, they stall out. And what I think all Western fans really want, and the sad thing is this just isn't really the Mike Sanford brand of football, is just quick strike, you know, 2015 2016 hilltopper football um and i just don't think we're gonna see that but i'm i'm before i start rambling too much uh i'm gonna pick western kentucky to win this one but i don't think they they cover that nine and a half point um uh spread there joe i hear the hesitation in your voice and you know what that is that's doubt creeping in your head it's the idea it's the thought that they could lose to charlotte and that would really be indicative of the top <laughs> of our season so i can hear that doubt in your voice yeah uh, for what go ahead joe you got it no i just i agree it's it's doubt and just you know 18 months of disappointment that, that have just weighed on my brain <laughs> <laughs> you know for western here's the fact of the matter, they need a W. Looking at their remaining schedule, I see three games that they should win, although we know how that's been for the toppers this year. Um, no matter who's playing quarterback for them, they need to get the ball in the hands of their playmakers, McQuan Dean, Quinn Jernigan, Jaquez Sloan. All season, it's been one thing or another. Play calling, turnovers, not playing a full game. Let's just try not to have any issues there. For Charlotte... I want to see another solid game from Chris Reynolds. You know, he's really kind of separated himself in my mind from Hassan Clue as the 49ers have exceeded all of my expectations for the year. So they've got a struggling Western team coming into McCall Richardson Stadium. There's a chance for them to win if Ben LeMay, Rico Arnold, Victor Tucker, those are their playmakers, get the balls get the ball in their hands and get them going early. Uh, it was tough for me to make the call here, Joe, and I was almost inclined to pick Charlotte as well, but I think Western if they don't play up to their potential, they at least play close enough to that potential to win a close one here, let's say 30 to 25. Okay. I hope you're right. I hope we're both right in picking that team because, uh, you know, 
we just we, it's funny I'm looking over at our, our bar here and we uh, have we just restocked on uh, some whiskey and um, that might be gone by the end of this day if we lose to Charlotte uh, um, so uh, meanwhile the uh, Western Kentucky rival is uh, Marshall and they're playing Old Dominion this week in Norfolk uh, 3.30 Eastern time there um, no one's uh, I don't I don't have a line for that game but um, I think Marshall's going to be able to pull this off um, whoever they go with at quarterback I think they're going to be able to find um, decent success against this Old Dominion defense based on what we've seen them do this year and then you have Tyler King who I think is um, you know it hasn't gotten a lot of the spotlight just because so much of that offense has been focused on uh, Tyree Brady but I think you know he can really be a difference maker for them if they can win the time of possession battle and just control the ball um but you know i think this is going to be a game that uh, we've seen a few times um play out and that's uh, old dominion losing but jonathan duhart balling out which is uh just come to be a pattern for the monarchs so uh, i'm gonna take marshall in this one let's say 28 to 17 yeah, you know, Duhart's a stud, and you know, one day on the podcast we'll have to have the discussion about best receivers in the conference because I think he's he's firmly uh, up there within the top two or three guys. You know, Tyree Brady, uh, Quez Watkins, Rico Bussey, etc. Uh, for me, who starts a QB makes a big difference. Isaiah Green. Uh, we haven't talked a little bit about his his story on the podcast. Uh, he's a guy who lost both of his parents at an early age and was actually a, a homeless for a point in time in his recruiting process. So I, I heard a great quote from him this week in, a, in an article. I wish I could remember who wrote it, but he said that, you know, some people say that football is all they have. And he literally says football is all I have because mm-hmm. that's literally all he has left. Um, for me, that's the biggest difference for, for the herd, you know, whether who's it's him or Alex Thompson behind center. Uh, ODU is a dangerous team despite their record any time just because the guys we mentioned in far as Duhart and Fulgham, uh, Brown and Harper in the return game, you know, they have a, such a dangerous offense. Blake LaRusso has proven that, you know, whether or not he's the guy going forward, we don't know, but he's capable of putting up 300 yards easily. Uh, Tyree Brady needs to have a solid game no matter who's the QB. That I definitely would like to see out of him, and the difference maker for me is O'Shane Zimenez. If it's Thomas behind center, to be quite frank, I think ODU could win because I think Zimenez is going to be in his face. Uh, if it is Isaiah Green, I think Marshall wins by 14. Okay. Um, yeah, that Old Dominion defensive line is uh, its fun to watch when they're able to get good pressure. And, I mean, they have been, but just teams have been able to counteract uh, that fairly well, uh, as evidenced by Old Dominion's 1-5 record. Um, an important battle uh, for Tech coming up here. Uh, both these teams kind of need a win to uh, you know, get closer to what they ultimately want to do this year. Tech being contending for the West and UTSA just getting to a bowl. Um, those two teams play at uh, 6 p.m. Central Time in San Antonio. ESPN Plus is where you can find it. Uh, Texter's favored by 13. I think that's pretty fair. Um, Regardless of what kind of day Jamar Smith and that offense had last week, um, I think that um, they'll be able to find it, uh, find a way to get it together enough and then um, on the other side of the ball, Tech's defense, I think, is just going to give UTSA fits. And that roadrunner offense has been, you know, like we talked about, frustrating and inconsistent. And I, that's not the kind of team you want to be when you go up against, um, you know, a team like Louisiana Tech and, and uh, Jalen Ferguson. 
Exactly, Joe. You know, for for UTSA, their team that, as we've talked about and belabored on this podcast all year long, the passing game has really been a struggle for them. And if they fall behind, you know, they're not going to really have any shot as Tech heads into the Alamo Dome. Uh, really in need of a win, uh, in, in my opinion. The first order of business is J. Mark Smith has to play up to form. Was really disappointed in his play last week. You know, he's a guy who went to Death Valley at LSU and really outplayed Joe Burrow, who's, you know, kind of the talk of SEC quarterbacks. Last week shouldn't have been an issue. If he can get back to form, I don't think this one's even close. Uh, you've got to get the balls in you know, your hands of your playmakers, you know, whether it be Israel Tucker or Adrian Hardy. For UTSA, one of the major things I think is going to hurt any chances for them to win the ball game is, is if they can't get the run game going with B.J. Daniels, they're just going to give Tech too many possessions. UTSA's defense can play him stingy, maybe for a quarter or for a half, but I, I think Tech pulls away easy, uh, easily in this one. Okay. Uh, yeah, and I mean, that that seems like a logical explanation for what Tech has shown that they can do. It's just a matter of getting that offense to execute. Um, and then the last game on the docket for this week is Middle Tennessee heading to Miami to face FIU. 7.30 local time. FIU favored by just two points here. Um, I, this could be the game of the week if Middle Tennessee turns in the kind of game that we saw from them the last two weeks. Uh, FIU coming off a bye. Um, I think they're probably the more talented team, the more um, offensively uh, adept team. Um but they're running into a Middle Tennessee defense that um, are really feeling themselves right now. So um, I'm going to pick FIU. I think it'll be more than two just because football games don't work that way typically. Um, let's say FIU wins this one by 10. Okay. Uh, you know, this will be the first one that I won't see live. You know, I've got that follow-up minor surgery that I've got scheduled on Friday, so I won't be there at the cage, and it's frustrating because I, I am with you there, Joe. I think this is going to be a great game, and as far as who can take control of the East, I think it will be the best, the must-watch CUSA game of, uh, of the weekend. For FIU, this is a Blue Raider team that smoked them last year without Brent Stockstill. So, you know, you have that going into it. This season, there's really no secrets. It begins and ends with trying to contain him as one of the conference's all-time great QBs. Middle doesn't have much of a running game, as I talked about earlier. That's a plus for their Panthers, as their run defense is really still a work in progress, despite having talented guys like Anthony Johnson and, and, and that uh, on the defensive line. The matchup I'm really keeping my eye on are uh, Middle's leading receivers and Ty Lee, Brad Anderson, who's that hybrid running back wide receiver, and Patrick Smith yeah. uh, versus the FIU pass. The, uh, something I've said all year for Panther fans to kind of give them hopes as far as the Panther DBs because they've been kind of down on them a little bit is that, you know, they've played against a lot of sizable wide receivers. You know, Donovan Hale's a big guy. Uh, John Duhart's another big guy. Uh, none of the guys I just mentioned are over 5'10", so it's really showing proof time for the Panther DBs. You know, it wasn't a size issue? Was it a matchup issue? Or are they just struggling in a coverage? FIU has a ton of running backs who can get the job done. You know, we've talked about guys like Devontae Price, Napoleon Maxwell, Shondarius Phillips. Middle's run defense the past weeks has been suspect at best. Uh, here's my call. Brent Stockstill, he's playing great ball. You know, maybe arguably the best of his career, but like I said last week and I said earlier in this podcast, if I were buying stock, I'd buy FIU. Uh, I think the Panthers win 35-24. to 24. All right, uh, we've seen middle or we've seen Brent Stockstill rather uh, playing really f good football right now, um, and like you mentioned, he's just been he's been a little streaky during dealing with injuries and that kind of thing. But yeah, I think his legacy is uh, one to kind of be admired when it comes to the grand scheme of Conference USA. But it's funny when you look back at the history of Conference USA and the great quarterbacks that they've had, you kind of have to take a second and be like, who 
all used to be in Conference USA again? <laughs> Those teams have kind of changed so much. And I think, you know, even uh, when we interviewed uh, Commissioner McLeod over the summer, um, even she, I asked her, you know, who are some of the better teams, that, some of the better uh, players that you've watched when you've, since you've been apart from Conference USA for 20 years? And she was just kind of like, well, I don't, I can't name you all the teams that have been in Conference USA off the top of my head right now. So it's a tough question to answer. But yeah, I think it's, uh, I think Stockstill's having another good year and uh, couldn't really come at a better time for that Blue Raider team as they, uh, you know, try to get back to uh, their winning ways. Um, but that's going to wrap up our, our preview for next week. Um, a lot of good football to look forward to. Um, so. We will go ahead and start wrapping up then. Thank you for listening, as always. Uh, if you can subscribe to the Underdog Podcast on iTunes, that would be great. Leave a review. Uh, help us grow the show. And then, of course, follow at Underdog Dynasty on Twitter. Like us on Facebook. That way you get all the G5 football goodness delivered right to your social feeds. Um, and check out the site every day because we publish a lot of content. The whole staff works really hard to do that for you. Um, and, uh, yeah... So also follow us on Twitter at, at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. Eric is at Eric C. Henry underscore. Um, yeah, so we have a lot of good football going on this week. Eric, I'm sorry that, uh, you know, you're going to miss that FIU game with that surgery. Feel better. Um, but until next time, I will just say happy football watching, everybody. Thank you for listening. Have a good one.